Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Today not only marks Senior Sunday, but May 20th also marks the Holmes family departure from Dallas Seminary to Norman, Oklahoma. And if you don't remember that the Holmes family arrived on May 20th, you'll remember that we brought with us an F5 tornado five years ago. <laughs> yep. See, some, some pastors uh, get compared to, uh, I don't know, Peter. If they're a really good preacher or teacher, they're like, man, he's a, he's a Peter. He is a ministry or missionary of a Peter, right? And then others, maybe with Moses, man, he's a great leader. He, man, he's leading his people. I get compared to Jonah because I bring weather. That, uh, that's just not fair, right? There's others. I mean, at least it's not Judas, right? Like, I'll take Jonah. Too soon. So the, this morning, we have a question to pose. And it's a question that I, I hope that every graduating senior class, every person in this room understands and believes and has an answer for. And that question is, who is God? That's what I'd like to answer this morning. And now we could talk for 10 years about all the attributes, the, our doctrine of who God is, But I want to hit on one specific thing that I find in Scripture. A.W. Tozer once said, The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Essentially, the quote is saying that it's really important what comes to mind when you think about who God is. So what pictures, what stories, what experiences, and hopefully what Scripture. Now, for a lot of us, we we have thoughts about who God is, and we say we believe God is a certain way, but how we see that play out is in our prayer life. As you pray, you believe. And so, some of us, including myself, I didn't have to look for source material on this, I looked through my prayers, and, uh, and some of us in here believe, or at least pray, that God is a genie. That if you go to him with the proper formula, you go to him maybe with your good outweighing your bad, or you go to him and you say, our Father in God, start with the Lord's Prayer, hit him with the need, and then you're good, right? You have a formula, rub the lamp a certain way, and you get what you desire, what you want. And so you treat God, at least in your prayers, as a genie. You go to and you ask for preferences, desires, or hopes. Others maybe deal with God as a third cousin. You only go to him and during certain holidays and when there's uh, either a funeral or a marriage. And you just see him and you're like, you usually start with, I'm sorry it's been so long, but I do kind of need something. I promise it'll be different. At least those are the rhythms that I face in my life. When I get busy, I start cutting the rhythm of grace, of prayer, of spending time with God's people and reading his word. And as we pray, we see our belief in God. Now, none, we wouldn't say we believe that way. If I asked you, who do you believe God is? You're not going to say, God's a genie. But if I listen to your prayers, I wonder what I would think. And so the question I'd love for you to ask at the beginning is, what does my prayer life say about my view of God? We all view God very differently. Through our experiences and stories. But hopefully... We view God through his written word revealed to us. And there's a passage in scripture that I think on when I think of who God is, and it's Jeremiah 18. So if you have your Bible, then if you would, pull it out. And even if you have your phone, 
Students, airplane mode. Parents, airplane mode. You're not above that. And go to Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. The book of Jeremiah is an interesting book. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah's father was a priest, and Jeremiah's main role was to proclaim the judgment coming to Israel, and that had came to Israel. And through his life, Israel went through some, a few crazy times. But this morning, we're going to pick up really in the middle of the book, Jeremiah 18, in a very unique and, and rare instance where God shows physically his prophet to teach him something. So God doesn't send a vision. God doesn't send a dream. He takes his prophet somewhere, and he wants him to learn how God relates to his people. So Jeremiah 18, starting in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I, Jeremiah, went down to the potter's house, and there he was, the potter, working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. When the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So here in Jeremiah 18, it continues on even to verse 12. This morning, we have about enough time to go one through six. And so if you're looking for something, if you're not actively studying God's word, I invite you to continue on in Jeremiah 18 and even go to Jeremiah 19. And you'll see that pottery and the illustration of pottery continues on in Jeremiah 19 as a symbol of God's judgment to his people. And so if you're not studying anything, I invite you this week, Jeremiah 18 through 19. But this morning, we're really going to look at one through six and one through four is God's physical picture of how he relates to his people, so God's sovereignty. And then he applies that to the house of Israel specifically in 5 through 12, and for us, 5 through 6. But our passage presents an incredibly important doctrine, and it's one of the first things I think about. So you ask me, who is God? One of the first things that comes to mind is the word sovereign. And so sovereign, that he is sovereign over us, God's sovereignty. And so if you don't know that word, you might be a little afraid, like, oh, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, me too, sovereign. No, it's like, I was was thinking love, right? Isn't that in Scripture? That is, it's okay, there's no right answer except for the God who revealed himself to us as a sovereign God. But God is sovereign to us, right, and over us. And if that word brings fear or angst in you, let's change that from a word of fear and angst to a word of comfort. This is a beautiful doctrine. And a very simple and almost simplistic definition of this is that God's will will be done. So what does sovereign mean to us? God's will will be done. That's not hard. It's not a scary word anymore. God's will will be done in your life, in this world, and in his kingdom. I see this in a couple places. The first place is Revelation 4.11. And it says this. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. 
God's will will be done. And then another place, Ephesians 1, 11, says this, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God's will will be done in some things. In most things, God's will will be done because he is a sovereign God over all things. You cannot usurp the will of God because he is sovereign. Who is God? God is sovereign. His will will be done. So let's go back to our passage this morning, Jeremiah 18. And with that in mind, with that foundation of God is sovereign. His will will be done. Let's look at what he's trying to teach his prophet, Jeremiah, by taking him to the potter's house. So if God is sovereign, why does God use this illustration of a potter in the clay? Starting in verse 2, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his Wheel. It's interesting, and it's important for us to know, why do you think God just didn't send a dream to Jeremiah? Why do you think God just didn't send a vision? Listen, look, this is a potter. Here's his clay. I am the potter. You are, the, like, doesn't that prove his point? It's interesting here that Jeremiah says, no, I want you to go down, and I want you to see it. I want you to smell it. I want you to, I want you to feel the rumble of the table as it spins. I want you to watch the potter form the clay. He wants to make a physical object lesson to his prophet Jeremiah. In verse 4, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me. So this is where he applies it to Israel, to the house of Israel. Oh, house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So if you didn't catch it, God sends Jeremiah to the potter's house. Watch the potter form his clay. Now listen, I'm the potter, you are the clay. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He is the potter. We are the clay. And so where we will really camp out this morning, and if you, if you highlight, if you take notes, the key section is the end of verse 4. Speaking of the potter, he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. So that will be our key that we're working from. As it seemed good for the potter to do, he reworked it, that clay, into another vessel vessel. The potter, so this is, this is the restatement of the, of the message. The potter forms his clay according to his will. The potter forms his clay according to his will. God is sovereign. His will will be done because the potter forms his clay according to his will. So first, we're going to hit on the potter forms his clay. In verse 4, you can see that he reworked it into another vessel. I don't know much about clay. Maybe you do. Maybe you're like, I can tell you everything about it. That's interesting. Let's grab coffee. But clay is mud, yeah? 
And so if I brought out a big thing of clay, like a bag of clay, put it on here, put it on a table and say, hey, look at this clay, your reaction probably won't be, that's beautiful. If it is, then that's weird, okay? Like we all need to acknowledge that. If you were like, that would be gorgeous. It's like, okay, yeah. See, clay does not exist by itself. Clay, clay there's no beauty amongst the clay. Here's, here's the key. Clay was not created to form and shape itself. It exists for something outside of itself. It exists to be formed. Clay does not, was not created to form and manipulate itself. It was created for something outside of itself. We don't look at clay and say, you have a purpose, beauty. There is gloriousness in this clump of mud. But when you put it in a potter's hands, that's when we go, whoa, whoa, this is unbelievable. You took a clump of dirt and you made a pot? Are you kidding me? It's in the potter's hand that it becomes beautiful. And so there's, uh, we always take high school students in, uh, to Nicaragua every year. And uh, one of the years, uh, I think it was maybe last year or the year before, uh, Chase and Julie were, were getting ready to take us on a trip. And Chase Russell said, turns to me and said, we're going to Potter's house. And I was like, oh, what? Because I taught this text many times before. I, lo- I mean, really, I, when you ask who is God, I'm thinking, whoo, the potter in the clay, right? And so he's saying, we're going to a potter's house. And I was like, let's go. I was like, I'm ready. Let's go. And here it was. And we go to the potter's house. We walk down. And he is working at his wheels. Friends, the Bible is accurate, right? And I'm like, this is it, right? Like, I am Jeremiah. I'm living this story. This is amazing. And so he's working at his wheel. And all the kids that we take and all of our team is watching. And he is built. I mean, he makes this pot in like five seconds. It's like this clump of dirt, mud, grossness. And he just goes, oh yeah. And I'm like, do it again. Right. I'm like, it was so fast. And then he takes like these tools and his fingernails and he starts designing things in this pot that I'm like, what is happening? I was like, that is dirt. And that dirt is pretty. Like, this is amazing, right? And I was, but he's making it so easy. I'm like, no, let me have a try, right? Like, we had some students try, and they were like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, there is some skill in the potter's hands. And so he's making this clay, and it's like he drug, he like, he's pulling the whole audience in. We're all like, oh, my goodness. Because it's sitting, like, 10 inches tall, and he's, like, doing all these things. And it's, like, beautiful. It's ridges and everything. And you, can see, you can almost see it painted. And then he goes, and he smashes it. And you, you hear an audible, <gasps> Because we'd all like, that's our pot. Like this is, we've all done this together. And he smashes the thing. And I'm like, are you joking me? Like I would have taken it. You didn't ask me, but I would have, right? Like let's take that thing off and let's sell it. Let's go. Like that was, a, that was the best pot I could have ever dreamed about making. And he smashed it. And I was like, I got to know why. Like was he just playing with my heart a little bit? Because that's not cool, Right. Like, that's not nice. And so then we, I go and I take a translator, and, uh, and the translator asks, like, why did, you, why did you smash the pot? And he said, well, the pot, it had a little bit of a lean to it. And I was like, mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, so, like, it could never stand up. Like, it would sit straight, but kind of rock back and forth, and it just, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't fulfill the purpose that I had for it. And I was like, ooh, thou preach. I was like, thank you, sir. Taking that back to Norman, right? And I was like, that's it. Like, that's it. I was like, the potter had the plan and purpose in mind, 
And all of us in the audience, we had a perspective and we were like, this is beautiful, smashes it, and he has to rework it into something that fits his purpose and his plan. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. And then the beauty of the gospel was seen again in verse four at the very beginning. It says, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. If you tell me that and you say, there's a comma, finish it. I'm gonna say, and the potter threw it away. It's spoiled. Like it's one, it's clay. It's not like you don't have enough of it outside. Like just go grab some more, right? Like just throw it away. But that's not, that's not what, how it ends. He, he says, and he reworked it into another vessel. Why doesn't he throw the clay away? The clay is spoiled. See, spoiled is used again in the, in the book of Jeremiah, and it, it gives a definition of what, just in case you don't know what spoiled means, it says, it is worthless. It is worthless. It has no value. It has no worth. Throw it away. See, this is the beauty of the gospel. I tell this to students all the time. I struggle with the sinful belief that I am what I do or I am what's been done to me. And that is not true. If you want to know what a high school student needs to hear over and over again, if you want to know what an adult needs to hear over and over again, a child needs to hear, you are not what you do or what's been done to you. You are in Jesus Christ. Period, exclamation point, amen, you praise. And that's, that's the beauty of the gospel, is that God, the potter, does not look at the spoiled clay It is worthless and throw it away. All since Adam have fallen away, have rebelled against God. We are sinful people. We do not deserve his grace and mercy to us. We deserve to be thrown away. Romans 6, we have earned death. We've earned it. We only deserve to be thrown away, but by his grace and mercy to us, he takes the clay and he forms it into another vessel according to his purpose and his plan, according to his will. Because our God is sovereign. His will will be done. If you want more source material, if you're like, "Mm, this is good, I need to hear more, Romans 9. This is all through scripture. We see that God is the potter, we are the clay. But he doesn't just form the clay, he forms it according to his will. The end of verse four, as it seemed good to the potter to do. As it seemed good to the potter to do. He reworked the vessel according to his will, his plan, his purpose, according to his will, as it seemed good to the potter to do. See, I, I was a really weird kid. Can we just get that out of the way? There's some weird people in the room. I know you guys. I hang out with some of you guys. So I was a really weird kid, really weird. And one birthday, I think it was my seventh or sixth birthday, I asked my parents as a birthday present, I want a laboratory, because that's something you ask for, right? But I was obsessed with this show called Dexter's Lab. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was awesome. So I was like, I just want a lab where one, I can get away from my sister and two, I can invent cool things. Like that sounds like a plan. Now I tried to invent, my parents did this cool thing underneath the stairs. They installed a little light that I pulled down and a little curtain. It was awesome. Microscope. I stayed in there for way too long by myself, increasing my weirdness, right? 
My sister would turn to me like, what are you doing? Like, just go play basketball. I'm like, no, right? Like, just stare at things in a microscope. I'd walk around the room, right? And it's like, that's not how it works. And so when we would go to Hobby Lobby, my mom and I, she would take me there and she would say, you can get something to, I don't know, maybe be more normal or whatever. But I was like, get whatever you want because it's Hobby Lobby and it's like $2. And so she was like, get, get whatever you want. And I always got this. It was colored clay. It came in a four pack. So it was like red, white, uh, blue, green, right? Because America and aliens in my mind. And so I would go home and I would lay cardboard all over our unfinished basement closet door. All, I mean like 10 foot by 10 foot. It was huge, right? And I would build platforms. It was awesome. And then I would take this clay and I would break it apart. And green was obviously aliens. And I would create things like the, the green had like a UFO, of course. And so, wow, it's a really bad UFO. I didn't say I was good at it. I said I was weird. And so this, yeah, it's a UFO. And they had this thing that's a, the ball of disaster and their tower. Yeah. Running out of time. And then the red was the infantry. And so I'd build little guys. I mean, little guys everywhere that don't stand up. And I would go for hours. And this is not an exaggeration. I mean, I would spend hours in there shaping them. I remember one time I was spoiled and I got two of these packs. And so I built like a massive army. And then was the weirdest. Oh, they have a tower too. Perfect. They have a tower. Great. And so it was, and they would spread out over the entire floor. And I was like, this is it. This is my army. Then I would leave it for days. And my parents were like, please clean up your mess. And I was like, the day has not arrived yet. They were like, God, what in the world? It's coming. Then one morning, extra special, I would wake up and it, was, it would hit me. And I'd be like, today's the day. Today is the day. And I would go have my Captain Crunch, watch cartoons, and I would go down to the basement with one purpose and plan in mind taking my hand and smashing everything as the United States destroyed the aliens and Will Smith wins again, right? Like, that's what I would do. And I'd be like, yeah, and I would just, I mean, I would, it would be a big ball of disaster of clay. It was awesome, right? It, it was incredible. I loved it. Now, I was a weird kid, okay? I get that. We're all, we have all a little bit of weirdness. Some people are better at hiding it than others. I'm not, I'm still not, but this is what never happened. So I would never go, wake up, today's the day, eat Captain Crunch, watch cartoons, go down, kick the door down, and be like, disaster is coming, right? Seven-year-old Jonathan smashing. And the clay never turned to me and said, whoa, 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 whoa. We've actually grown to like this. See, this whole area, this is nice. We all have space. Listen, like the aliens, they can exist over there and it's okay, Jonathan. We have a different perspective and you need to trust on us on this one. It'll be okay. Listen, I was a weird kid, but that is, you know, I need help, right? Like start hearing Clay talk to me. That's crazy. But listen, Isaiah 29 says something very similar and this is what's beautiful. This is what's beautiful in the text. Isaiah 29, verse 16 it says this, you turn things upside down, exclamation point, emphasis, you turn things upside down. When? Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should save its maker? The clay turns to its potter and says, he did not make me or the thing formed save him who formed it. He has no understanding that the clay turns to the potter and says, listen, no, 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 you didn't make me. And then worse yet, 
Isaiah continues, he doesn't have understanding like I do. He doesn't understand my plan, my purpose, my will like I do. So we turn to God, the sovereign God whose will will be done. And we turn to him and we say, your will's pretty good, but I'm more comfortable with mine. Your will is good for them, but I'm good with mine. You turn things upside down. When the clay turns to the potter and says, no, 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 trust me. See, just like you thought that was crazy, or I was crazy, just like you thought that that was crazy to think that the clay would turn to me and talk as a seven-year-old. It's just as crazy as the clay turns to the potter and says, listen, your will is good, but my will, my will be done. But that's what we do in our prayer life. See, prayer does not exist to change God's will. Prayer exists to move our will to his. Prayer exists so that we might submit our will to the Father's will for each of our lives. Because it is not our authority to turn to the potter and say, my will, not yours. The question that I would love to ask each of you this morning, including myself, Where are you not trusting God's plan for your life? What have you reserved for yourself that you feel pretty comfortable or confident in that you can figure it out without his help? Where are you not allowing God to work in your life? Where are you the clay that's turning the potter and saying, listen, it's working out now, it'll be fine. You're turning things upside down. I'm gonna invite the band back up. And we're going to sing a song of reflection, but much of life is a battle of wills with our unrelenting attempts to trust in ourselves over the potter's hands. But our Savior Jesus Christ showed the beauty of submitting to the will of the Father. On the edge of crucifixion, on the edge of self-sacrifice, he's in the Mount of Olives in Matthew 26, 39. He says a little prayer. And going a little farther away from his disciples, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And that nevertheless, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of self-submittance, not as I will, but as you will. What are areas in your life where you're missing the nevertheless? Or do your prayers sound more like, God, remove this from me, period, leave. God, give me this, period, leave. We must insert back the nevertheless. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, from my perspective, from my plan, from my purpose, but your will be done. For I am the clay You are the potter, and we serve a sovereign God whose will will be done. And we have the blessing, the grace, the mercy from Christ that allows us submitting to the Father's will, just as the suffering servant Jesus Christ did. And so there's no better time of reflection than to sing a song about surrender, 
when we think about our will. And so I invite you now to search the Holy Spirit, your heart and your mind. Where are areas in your life that you are refusing to surrender to the will of God? I invite you now to stand and worship with me.